0: Welcome to the Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. $300 million loan debt lifted off U.S. Virgin Islands. Barbados hosts 15th session of the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development. OECS Chairman Dr. Keith Mitchell addresses Regional Conference on Human Mobility and Climate Change in Dominica. Caribbean Chiefs of Defense attend UK Chiefs of Defense Staff Conference, and U.S. IRS conducts offshore tax evasion training in Grenada. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, October 4th. We start our report today in the U.S. Virgin Islands. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that the U.S. Virgin Islands Governor Albert Bryan told the consortium that $300 million community disaster loan forgiveness that recently was approved by the U.S. Congress relieves the territory of a huge burden while opening the doors for opportunities in the bond market. The first thing it does, we have an agreement with the U.S. Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, that any time we go to borrow any money, that we had to gain approval from them. So that immediately goes away, Mr. Bryan said. The government also had to give FEMA priority payments called a priority lien from the matching fund revenue and gross receipt tax funds over the government of the Virgin Islands Other bondholders. If we need to borrow money, it reopens our credit. So we now have the ability to borrow some money should we hit some trying times. It has a lot of impact on the territory, the governor explained. The forgiveness of the three hundred million dollar debt from the community disaster loan comprises financial relief of the following according to the Bryan administration ninety four point five million for the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority. Forty-two million for the Juan Luis Hospital on Saint Croix, nineteen point three million for the Schneider Regional Medical Center Saint Thomas Saint John, and one hundred and forty-five million dollars for the government of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Barbados Today reports that Barbados is hosting the 15th session of the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development. The conference is from October third to seventh. 2021 and will be held under the theme from inequality and vulnerability to prosperity for all. It will seek to provide a platform for countries to devise new ways to use trade as an enabler of sustained development. Barbados is the world's smallest country to host a week-long meeting, which will be addressed by United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres, who arrived in Barbados on Saturday. The talks will examine the coronavirus pandemic, the climate emergency, rising inequality, and vulnerability among other global crises. With Barbados suffering more than 200 million in losses this year from the ashfall from the Safri Hill Volcanoes, the June freak storm and Hurricane Elsa in July, Prime Minister Mia Motley says the country must fight for adaptation and resilient funds. This is why the 15th session of the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, which officially opens today, is critical for vulnerable small island developing states, Motley said on Sunday. Motley made clear that the week-long talks were not esoteric, but a critical forum for small island development states to have a voice. Noting that the world's temperatures appear to surpass the 1.5 degrees Celsius as recommended by small island states, to 2.1 degrees or higher. Motley said this development would lead to more threats, including storms, hurricanes, and increased sargassum seaweed, and therefore, small island developing states would have to take action. We believe, therefore, it is critical that we fight for adaptation funds and resiliency funds. That is why we are hosting this conference here. It is one of the ways where we give our voice more reach and we start to say, look, you need to start lending me money not on the basis of GDP per capita. You need to start lending me money on the basis of my vulnerability. This is about being able to get policy space so that we can protect our farmers and our farmers can help us with food security so that instead of the market being flooded with food imports, we can protect our farmers. This is about being able to get the voice and the message across that if we have to keep borrowing money because of the climate crisis, then it makes it difficult for us to do other things that we want as a country. Dominica News Online reports that Prime Minister of Grenada and Chairman of the Organization of Eastern Caribbean States, Dr. The Honorable Keith Mitchell, will present remarks at the opening of the Regional Conference on Human Mobility and Climate Change Data in the OECS in Dominica beginning today. The conference is hosted by the International Organization for Migration, the U.N. migration agency, with the support of the German Federal Foreign Office, in collaboration with the OECS Commission. The conference will be held from today, Monday, October 4th through Wednesday, October 6th, 2021, and will deliberate on findings of a regional study from 2020 to 2021 to assess national and regional data systems on migration, environment, disasters, and climate change in the six independent member states of the OECS. The findings of the study will be presented along with recommendations in a new set of reports on migration, environment, disaster and climate change data in the Eastern Caribbean, which will be launched at the event. Antigua Newsroom reports that the Chief of Defense from Antigua and Barbuda, the Bahamas, Belize, the Dominican Republic, Guyana, Jamaica and Trinidad and Tobago, along with the UK, gathered in Antigua and Barbuda last month to discuss regional cooperation. The Gatherings of Chiefs was augmented by virtual participation from Barbados, Dominica, Grenada, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, CARICOM Impact, Sedema, and the regional security system. They agreed on a number of initiatives within training and education designed to improve collective capacity to deal with the security challenges that confront the region. The Chiefs of Defense were very grateful to the Governor-General and the Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda for participating in the conference. The UK was very pleased to also be able to bring alongside in St. John's one of two British ships currently stationed in the region. HMS Medway, a river-class offshore patrol vessel, is permanently assigned to the region and is active in counteracting illicit trafficking at sea in working with allies and partners across the region and is being prepared along with the RFT Wave Night to provide humanitarian support in response to crises, especially during the hurricane season. HMS Midway was able, therefore, to host the final day of the conference with the focus on maritime security discussions. The Chief of Defense were also able to review the UK's commitment to maritime security and disaster relief in the region with an in-depth discussion of maritime issues. Now Grenada reports that on September 9th, the U.S. Internal Revenue Service presented the offshore tax evasion case study training course to the Grenada Inland Revenue Division and Financial Intelligence Unit. The course incorporated multiple areas of transnational financial crimes specific to offshore banking schemes, tax evasion, and crime conspiracy, while specifically focusing on offshore tax evasion investigation involving a complex yet classic. Pyramid scheme. The chorus also highlighted how international efforts such as the Offshore Voluntary Disclosure Initiative and the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act aid in combating tax evasion and serve to dismantle and disrupt a criminal conspiracy built upon greed. The training sessions generated intense discussions about conducting investigations to secure the Grenada tax system and financial system. At the opening of the event, Randy Boyd, Deputy Controller for the Ministry of Finance, Inland Revenue Division of Grenada, and Letitia James, Deputy Constable, Financial Intelligence Unit Grenada, welcomed training participants. Principal Officer U.S. Embassy Grenada Carl Duckward addressed the financial professionals. As international criminals develop more sophisticated techniques, everyone benefits from sharing information on how to detect, investigate, and ultimately bring to justice lawbreakers, Duckward continued. As Grenada continues to grapple with the real challenges presented by COVID-19, it is a testament to the hard work and dedication of the revenue collection and financial professionals from the United States and Grenada that they were able to hold this important training safely online. We all look forward and pray for the day when it is safe to conduct international exchanges like this in person. Meanwhile, the United States will continue to be friend to Grenada in these trying times. The Bahamas Tribune reports that the Bahamas Social Services and Urban Development Minister, Obi Wilshcombe, has questioned spending related to the government's National Food Distribution Initiative as his ministry prepares to take over the program. The National Food Distribution Task Force is set to soon come to an end, and Mr. Wilschcombe said his ministry is working to move with haste to introduce a new food program as soon as possible. I just don't understand why we're spending $800-plus plus thousand dollars a week. I have a difficulty with that, and they're buying through a second hand. While it makes more sense to have warehouses of food and cause for distribution, and we can buy them directly from the manufacturer or the producers of the factories. Why are we spending an incredible amount of money going through second and third parties when it's causing the state so much and still not getting as many people? the food as I'd like them to have. 17,000 were told were fed. My thinking is, you have much more than that who are suffering, and so we have to find a better way to do it. The minister told reporters that he was briefed that 14 million of the ministry's budget has been spent so far, and 10 million of that went to the food program. Asked if he believed there was an adequate budget right now, the minister answered, We'll always need more, but we have to work with what we've been given, where we are in this country. We're not going to pretend as if we don't have COVID. We don't have a global issue. We don't have an economic problem. We do, and so we have to work with it. But it just tells me, We have to be more efficient in the delivering of service. Antigua Newsroom reports that the University of the West Indies Five Islands Campus Pro Vice Chancellor and Principal Professor Denzel A. Williams said the majority of workers in Antigua and Barbuda do not have credentials. One of the things that we found when we got here is that in Antigua and Barbuda of the workforce only less than 10% of them have any form of certification beyond secondary school, less than 10%. So we're looking at 21,000 strong members of the workforce who have no credentials at all, Professor Williams said. The Antigua and Barbuda-based campus will launch a lifelong learning unit in the 2021-2022 academic year to address the issue. We have now started to go out to our businesses and the private and governmental sector and say to them, Find your people who need credentials and we're going to partner with you to provide the training so they can move up the value chain in whatever jobs they are doing, Professor Williams explained. And finally. New America Now reports that Tijuana in Baja, California, has traditionally been one of the fastest-growing cities in Mexico. And now, local labor minister Luis Algori said Haitians are welcome there, unlike in most other places. We're opening to the migrants getting jobs quickly, he told writers. We have 25,000 posts to be filled on the coastal region, and many are coming, drawing on the help of fellow Haitians who have reached the doorstep of the United States five years ago during another spike in migration. In recent months, over 2,000 Haitian immigrants seeking Mexico or U.S. Work Visas, have arrived in Tijuana, Mexico. Haitians started arriving in Tijuana in the mid-2016, impelled by the myth that it was easier and safer to cross to the U.S. from there than from Ciudad Juarez. The Haitian community in Tijuana reached 16,000 people, according to the Migrant Space Organization, and is now of some 3,000 people, most of whom were given legal permission to work. The little Haiti neighborhood of some 40 houses was built for refugee families near the Embardos de Jesus Church in the suburbs of Tijuana, Mexico, on March 11, 2018. Wilner Medalis, a Haitian who heads advocacy group, the Citizens Committee in Defense of Naturalized Persons and Afro-Mexicans, said previous arrivals had shown the latest influx of Haitians how to avoid official raids and make progress. The report says Tijuana, the biggest Mexican city on the border, has long been a major thoroughfare for migrant traffic and there is strong sympathy for Haitian migrants in some quarters. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, October 4th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and follow us on Facebook.